We like welcome everyone today to our podcast. We have with us uh, just a great gentleman, Mike Cowart. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Eddie, thank you. Mike is uh, somebody I really hold in high regard. He's a man of uh, just replete with integrity, tremendous experience. But not all experience is good for some folks, but with him it has been, and he's learned valuable lessons that we're going to ask him to share today on direct mail. So, again, Mike, thanks for agreeing to uh, present this podcast today. Thank you, Eddie. I'm honored to be with you today. You know, direct mail for uh, a large number of nonprofits uh, is really a challenge for them. I mean, they hear different things that letters ought to be three to four pages, they ought to be one page, you need to send them 12 times a year, three times a year, whatever the number may be. You just hear so many different mixed messages. And what I'd like to do with you today, Mike, is just to share your experience and what really works. And how do you create a an environment where philanthropy can flourish? So let's start there. How How do you go about the process of taking an individual who is an acquaintance and really helping them to become a philanthropist. All right, thank you, Eddie. Um, direct mail uh, gets is currently being bashed uh, fairly harshly by a lot of critics, but it's still the primary vehicle of uh, both acquisition and renewal. In 2013, 93% of donations were made offline or through the mail, according to AFP. Uh, so direct mail, uh, I've seen recent reports that direct mail is around for the next 17 years, and that's because uh, of us baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's real critical to think of your audience in terms of, uh, of generation, who are you communicating to. And your success in direct mail is really based around uh, three components. There's the audience, in my opinion, is about 60% of your success. Who are you mailing to? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the copy, you know, what you're asking that audience to do is about 30%. And are you asking the right audience to do the right thing? And then finally, the 10% that we all fuss about and argue about is really irrelevant. You know, should it be four colors? Should it be two colors? Should it be three pages, one page? Uh, so let's start out with audience. Uh, that's really critical that you're mailing to the right uh, the right people. And let me go back to that generational comment again. Um, the greatest generation is totally offline. Uh, you know, they they like to get mail. Uh, they have checkbooks. Uh, they write checks by mail. Uh, they're very. Uh, they give unconditionally. Yep. Uh, my father. My father gave to nonprofits with no strings attached. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave because he was moved by a story mm-hmm. or the mission. Um, you know, I asked him on several occasions, why do you give to that organization that you don't know? And he would show me the letter, and he believed the story, and he believed in the mission, and he gave unconditionally. Uh, baby boomers, you know, are who are uh, 50 to 68, are what uh, I call bi-channel. We both are acceptable to offline and online appeals. But more than likely, we're going to uh, respond offline with, you know, with a check and in the mail. We are more prone to go to a website and investigate and do some research on the organization. We view giving more as an investor or stakeholder. So the audience, you know, who, who are you mailing to? You've got to sit down and think about that. Uh, you know, who are these people now? 
in healthcare, where I've focused for the last uh, eight years, we we've done so much testing that we do not mail to anyone younger than 60 years of age. Yeah. Because have done so, you know, it's just um, you know, you've got your you've got early boomers and late boomers, and those people 50 to 59 are in a you know they're either have an adult child that's moved back home and uh, can't find a job, or they're caregiving for their parents. And uh, and secondly, they don't have an affinity to help care. But you know, whether the or whatever the organization is, you really need to understand uh, the, the psychographics and the demographics of who you're mailing to. Mm -hmm. uh, audiences younger than than 50 are more prone to online yep. uh, communication. So, does the um, any questions, Eddie? You have comments about that audience portion of what we're talking about? No, boy, I just agree 100%. Um... You know, we we waste a lot of mail, and what we send out is not always effective because we pick the wrong audience. I agree 100%. Great comments. Thank you. And uh, now let's talk about the copy, uh, what you're asking me to do, uh, in which also addresses one page, uh, three page. You know, in my 30 years of experience, uh, I was involved in a business-to-business mailing with uh, Xerox, and their control letter was a 12-page letter. And when I say control, they they had tested a lot of different letters and lengths, and you know, it was a lot of information, technical information they were communicating. Uh, let's flip 180 degrees from that and and look at a uh, political action committee letter that was one sentence. It basically said, "Please send $35. I'll explain later." And um, and the second letter went out and explained, you know, why they needed the thirty-five dollars. It was extremely successful, but they knew their audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they were very aware and tuned in and donor-centered to, you know, who they were asking to send thirty-five dollars to. Uh, again, you know, we've tested this in the healthcare sector, and basically, a one-page letter is uh, our core control letter. Uh, it's uh, so it's you know it's that it's the the word is test and don't make assumptions about uh, what what happens is nonprofits get in a lot of trouble by mailing what they feel internally works. Yes, and, well that's so true. And, yeah, and that's you know if you mail what you feel, you're probably going to be mm -hmm. in trouble because mm -hmm. you're not related. You're not related to your audience and where you are. You're not donor centered. You're self centered. Boy, that's a great point. Let me ask you when when you yeah. think when you think about the correspondence itself, and you know one thing that we did in the early '80s that it really seemed to work for us, and it may be an issue of timing now, that we would prepare four different letters, and we would take a a small percent of our donor base, and we'd send these four letters out and try to find out which was the most effective. And uh, you know, do you see a lot of testing? Um, uh, that is that is very smart. And uh, there's an organization now. Uh, Jeff Brooks is one of the great fundraisers that I admire. Uh, he sends out a blog called Fundraising Now, and and Jeff takes that approach you just uh, talked about and has has converted to digital format. And that's literally what he does for his clients. He will literally send out you know for you know four different appeals, and, and obviously in a digital world, he can quickly measure mm -hmm. the response to what's working, but I absolutely uh, always, uh, 
it's kind of like, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of focus groups, but that's what it comes down to is you, but you have a large base of, uh, of people, you know, that, uh, that you can focus on and spread out, you know, across your donor base and, and find out, you know, and also ask your donors, uh, what, you know, how many times you want to hear from us? Yep. Uh, what yep. type of, what type of content are you interested mm -hmm. in? And, and they'll tell you, you know, uh, one of the one of the most successful direct mail organizations is a small children's home over in East Tennessee. They had developed some proprietary software, and they knew exactly when Eddie wanted to hear from them. Eddie always gave to the Back to School campaign in August, and uh, so they would only mail Eddie in August, and then they would send him a year-end appeal. On the other hand, Mike uh, gave in the spring to the buy the buy a new van appeal. So Mike would receive receive a spring appeal and a year-end appeal. So it's very smart to be donor-centered and know <clears throat> what your donors want and uh, and they want to hear from you. It reminds me of uh, Mike, my dissertation and and the the twelve things I learned from really successful shops, and one was they knew their donors when they gave and why they gave then. Exactly. You know, this exactly. a really good analysis is crucial when when, uh, exactly. when you think about um, that letter going out to donors I mean you, you gave the analogy of your father and I could give one almost exactly the same of my mother uh, who reads these letters you know that generation are still individuals that hold books in their hands uh, they they open envelopes and read and uh, they're very exactly. responsive I do find, and I wonder if you agree with this too, that they're becoming more selective in the number of nonprofits they give to. It seems like their average gift is up, but they're giving to fewer nonprofits. What are your thoughts? Uh, that, yeah, that is correct, Eddie. They, uh, you know, they, they're. I think the economy. Uh, I think the, the the burst of the bubble in 2008 has created, uh, you know, some internal fear. In that generation, and you know the silent generation, which is between the greatest generation and baby boomers, uh, you know I think there's a big difference. Main Street is still cautious and uh, fearful about another burst, and that, and that's true of, across you know other generations. People are mm -hmm. people are giving to fewer organizations and giving more money. I would like to make one comment about acquisition. You know, of, uh, there's a rule that the greater the ask. But less the response. So sometimes I see nonprofits going out with their, you know, first letter to a to a prospect, and they're asking that person for a hundred dollars, and they're really concerned because of the low response. Well, typically, you know, you want, it's kind of like the marriage analogy. A first date, you know, is a is a twenty to twenty dollar gift, twenty five dollar gift. Uh, the lower the ask, the greater the response. So if you lower, if you put, if you place the ask stream in a lower uh, spectrum, uh, let's say you start out at twenty and then thirty-five dollars and fifty dollars another, you'll increase the response. Which is, but if you start out with high ask amounts uh, in acquisition, you're going to get a very low response. And a lot of nonprofits just ignore that principle, and they and their ask for acquisition purposes is is extremely high. You know, I don't know anybody that I respect more in, in this area than Mike, 
And, Mike, we really appreciate you taking time with us today. If, if somebody wants to follow up with you and uh, maybe send you an email and ask a question, what, what's a good email address and maybe a telephone number? Thank you, Eddie. Uh, and, again, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to uh, be on this podcast with you. Uh, my email address is mcowart, C-O-W-A-R-T, at ceplan.com. My number is 615-293-6068. And uh, I am, again, I'm really grateful for this opportunity and uh, just uh, honored to be, uh, to be part of the Thompson Associates team. And uh, thank you, Eddie. Oh, man, my land. Well, thank you. Mike, appreciate your wisdom, your experience, but more importantly, the kind of man you are. And uh, you're, oh, thank you. you're somebody I hold in high regard. Thank so, you. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. And uh, feel free to follow up with Mike or, if you need to reach me, Eddie at ceplan.com. Hope you have a great day.